0: Welcome to the Dietitian Collaborative Podcast. I'm Celestina, a chef, dietitian, and total foodie. Each week, I chat with another awesome RD so we can learn a bit more about how diverse our profession really is and how much we can benefit from collaborating with fellow RDs. Remember a few weeks ago when I chatted with Stephanie Notoris about the importance of counseling skills for RDs? Yeah, it was a pretty awesome convo. Today, our guest, Joyce Faraj adura has also seen the benefit of honing in on counseling skills as a dietitian. I think the biggest point that I want to make here is that I'm open to having dietitians with similar messages on this podcast. And these RDs are openly following and supporting each other on social. This is huge, guys. It may seem insignificant, but I found that within and even outside our field, people can be pretty competitive. RDs? Competitive? (laughs) LOL. Hard to believe, right? That was sarcasm in case you couldn't tell. As you may have guessed, I love to collab and even before I created the dietitian collaborative, I found ways to collaborate locally with complimentary business owners. So when I was living in Albuquerque, I was mainly personal chefing and I saw this great opportunity to showcase my culinary skills and provide themed days at a local float spa. Yes, by float spa, I mean like a sensory deprivation tank. This float spa catered towards bougie people. They gave you slippers and had an amazing shower in each of the individual float rooms that looked like five-star hotels, and then they gave you the opportunity to decompress in a quiet room or to doodle in an adult coloring book. This was an immersive experience, and sometimes I would offer small veggie-forward bites. Side note, I was a fool then and had a deal with the owner that they would pay the cost of food and that my time was free. I had hopes of gaining clients from these experiences. Dumb. I spent hours there and no one converted. Nonetheless, we continued these themed days centered around nourishing food that complemented the spa experience. I also developed a relationship with a sports and recovery gym. They just happened to have a float tank too. They weren't solely a float spa. Their clients were athletes, semi-pro and student athletes, and the float tank was a recovery method that they offered in addition to their training. They didn't have the relaxation spaces or tea awaiting you post-soak. And because they served a completely different clientele, I teamed up for a collab with the owner for discussion on mitigating inflammation with post-workout foods. The discussion went well, and those who attended really enjoyed the bites. A week after this, I had something planned at the float spa, like the actual spa, not the training center. And the owner chose to end all collaborations together because I did a collab with, quote, another float spa. Remember what I said earlier? Float tanks weren't the training center's main gig, but the spa owner saw them as competition. Rather than having an abundance mindset, she chose to see this as though I had flirted with the enemy. It's fine. Everyone's entitled to their own POV and their own feeling about a situation. But let's hone in on this. There will always be someone doing what we're doing, or at least a portion of what we're doing. But we will all have our own take on it. Our niches are probably a little different. Our approaches are probably a little different. We are different in the way that we work with people. This is why I stress the importance of knowing your superpowers, what makes you different and where you fit into the greater piece of the puzzle so that when you choose to collab with someone else, even if they're in a similar niche or could be considered competition, you still know what makes you different and special. Going back to the story. The Float Spas had completely different niches and missions when working with their clients. Our collabs were totally different in nature, and they were on completely opposite sides of the city. From my point of view, there wasn't anything wrong with collabing with both places, but as with most things, it breaks down to one's mindset. I believe that there's enough space for all of us to succeed, to do what we love, and even to collab with others who may seem very similar to us. This leads perfectly into our conversation today with Joyce Faraj Adura, PhD MSRD. She's an assistant professor of nutrition and dietetics and a nutrition counseling coach. She provides tailored coaching to dietitians who wish to improve their communication skills, use a more inclusive counseling approach, and motivational interviewing with their clients, and help shift the dietitian's mindset to view their clients as experts of their own lives and partners in their working relationship. Altogether, this helps with client retention, building stronger relationships, and improving client outcomes. Without further ado, let's talk to Joyce. Joyce, welcome to the show. I am super excited to have you here today. How are you?
1: Good. Thank you for having me, Celestina. I'm so excited. As am I. All right. Well, let's get started with the three most important
0: questions ever. Are you ready?
1: Let's do it. Okay.
0: One, what is your bucket list travel destination?
1: Okay, so had you asked me this maybe 10 or 20 years ago, I would have said Australia. Um, <laughs> but now that I've grown into a mature adult and I have kids, um, I actually just want to go anywhere that has a beach.
0: <laughs> okay. So broadening, um, broadening the answer.
1: <laughs> um, but I would really actually like to have um, like a road trip down the Mediterranean coast and just Ooh. go through all the little towns, you know, get to try the cuisine and just have a very laid back no-agenda type of trip. Of course, um, you know, without kids. <laughs> that would be my, <laughs> my dream vacation right now. <laughs> I love that. Question
0: number two, which might kind of flow into question number one, I don't know, what is your favorite
1: food of all time? So this has a little bit of background behind it. I grew up in Honduras, Central America. Cool. And ever since I was small, my favorite food has been a very local food known as Baleadas. So for those of you not familiar with baleadas, it's basically a handmade flour tortilla with some refried beans, uh, scrambled egg, some cheese, sour cream, and avocado. And then you close it up like a taco and it is heaven on earth.
0: Oh, so that sounds so good.
1: Every chance I get, um, I try to make them at home or we do have a, a Honduran restaurant near where I live, near the Boston area. Yeah, It actually makes really good baleadas, so it's it's worth it. That sounds so
0: good. I mean, I was thinking of all of those ingredients, and I'm like, "Mm, it's really hard to get a good avocado where I'm at. So
1: (laughs) I feel you. (laughs) Um, In my case, I love mangoes too. I grew up with a mango tree in my backyard, and wow, I really miss it. It's really hard to get those, you know, like really nice, fresh, ripened on the tree type of mangoes anywhere Mm -hmm. else, um, besides where they actually grow. Yep.
0: Also preaching Mm -hmm. to the choir there. (laughs) Okay. And then third, maybe most important question, coffee
1: or cocktails? I'm going to have to go with coffee on this one. (laughs) Okay. How do you take it? So I grew up in Honduras, and it's a major coffee production type of country. So ever since I was small, I know I don't want to advertise this, and I would not give coffee to my kids. But it was very (laughs) common for kids to just dip their cookies or their sweetbreads in coffee. Yeah. So I grew up drinking coffee, and even though I don't drink much of it, it really is the highlight of my day to just wake up, have a few minutes on my own, just silence, and be able to just drink my café con leche, Some coffee with some milk, and then just enjoy it. I'm not a fan of espresso, but you know, a good latte or espresso with lots of milk (laughs) (laughs) is definitely my type of coffee. Yeah,
0: I love coffee too. So I actually, I similarly grew up to call, like, grew up with coffee. I remember being like five years old going downstairs to my nonna's, and she would like already have the espresso pot going, pour me a little bit of espresso, put like a, like you're saying, a ton of milk in it, and then we dip like the sweetest of cookies in it. It was amazing.
1: Such good, <laughs> such good memories, huh?
0: <laughs> good times. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your journey to
1: becoming an RD. Sure. So I always was fascinated with science, and I was originally going to go into medicine but I feel like it was lacking, it was lacking something. I always loved cooking as well. I was in the kitchen since as far as I can remember. So when someone mentioned, why not nutrition? I thought, why not nutrition? <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, in Honduras, we didn't have that career. So I started looking at places that, was, that would offer nutrition. And then I ended up finding a place that I really liked. And I, I moved to the States at that point, And I studied nutrition. As I dived into nutrition, I was realizing that I was still missing something. Yeah. So I ended up doing a double bachelor's in nutrition and microbiology. Oh, wow. I really wanted to like dig into the science of it, you know, how the body works, the immune system, how nutrition can influence our immune system. And then as I kept on studying, I started adding more and more facets to what I wanted to really understand. And then I added mental health. So that kind of took me down the road of doing my Ph.D. in nutrition, but more specifically, how micronutrients can affect inflammation and how that can have an influence on depression. Fast forward a few years, I was hired by a substance use rehab where they wanted me to create and manage a nutrition program. And I said, sure. Wow. <laughs> um, that was actually my first real dietitian job, and it was already creating and managing a program. And it was with a population that had a high prevalence of comorbidities, meaning substance use, but also a lot of mental health comorbidities, such as anxiety or depression. So I thought this is a perfect way for me to combine my interest in nutrition and psychology. And also to be able to create a program as I saw fit. Yeah. So I loved it. They gave me a lot of freedom to do whatever I thought uh, needed to be done. So that was amazing. Yeah. And the more that I started to to deal with clients, um, the more I started to experience that I I started to figure out that I needed to learn more about the psychology of behavior change. Yeah. So we weren't taught this in school. No, we we were not. (laughs) (laughs) I remember I did have a nutrition counseling course, uh, but it was all like pretty scripted. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was a high focus on nutrition education and it was all very prescriptive. So the dietitian would go in there as the expert. So this is what you have to do. You know, let's come up with a few goals. See you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And this was not at all how it worked in real life. And I would be seeing a lot of clients who were there because they wanted to, they had to see the dietitian because they maybe had a history of bariatric surgery. Maybe they had type 2 diabetes that was not uh, well managed. Maybe they had uh, GI issues. Yeah. So I had to be there and I had to be a partner to be able to help them figure out together what would be a good solution for them. And this is something that I learned really quickly as I started doing nutrition counseling. So that's when I started looking into different modalities for counseling. And I really uh, dive deeper into motivational interviewing, which is um, a type of counseling approach that originated more than 40 years ago, but it was mostly used for uh, addiction rehab. So I was in the right place to learn from my peers, Yeah, And actually, that's one of the things that I remember talking about in my interview for that job. I said, "What I really want to get out of working here is, you know, not so much to share what I know, but also to have a collaboration with my peers and be able to learn from those uh, surrounding me. So that's the first thing that I learned. Different modalities of counseling are going to be essential to be able to bring about behavior change. That's
0: one, an epic job to like have right after all of your schooling. Okay. So the way I'm understanding this though, is you went from your undergrad to your PhD kind of in one felt swoop. Is that right? That's right. Oh, wow. Okay. You just went straight hardcore school. You were like, boom, boom, boom. Let's knock this out.
1: <laughs> um, I'm on, yeah, I'm a student for life. We can put it that way. <laughs> I love it. And I keep on realizing there's so little that I know about so many different things and I just want to learn more yeah so I just keep on doing more professional development and I think it's just in my in my genes really yeah <laughs> like at the moment I feel stagnant it's because I feel not learning more yeah so that has kind of driven me into doing a lot of self-development or professional development in areas that I know are going to benefit those around me as well I love that.
0: So let's talk more about learning from your peers. I feel like that's such a great mindset to go into a position with, whether you're working for someone else or you are considering collaborating within the RD space, going into it with, I can bring what I know to the table, but yes, there's so much more I can learn. Is that something that you feel like is innate within you? Or is that something that was learned that you kind of brought to the table in that first position?
1: I think it's something that I've always experienced. I loved learning from others, uh, whether it was in a lab, because I did. I used to manage a biomarker assessment lab in the nutrition department. So I I was always visiting different labs and trying to learn new techniques as to how would be the best way to carry out different protocols. But once I was in that area, I felt like I knew a lot about very specific things. And then I was thrown into a new job where I think this is something that's very common amongst anyone who has just passed their RD exam or they're starting a new job. You might be feeling really confident after you pass that test or after you get that job, and then reality sinks in and you realize, oh, wow, I need to basically relearn things I have learned. I have to maybe relearn them in a different way or I have to learn a lot more to be able to be competent uh, or maybe to excel at a new job. And it takes practice. It takes a lot of... Uh, developing new skills and knowledge but most of all it's going to be practice yeah so what allowed me to to learn so much was seeing or just uh, conversing with other peers and hearing about their different modalities when it came to counseling they're talking about cbt and dbt and act and mi and all of these were pretty much new to me yeah so that's when i said okay there's a lot more besides nutrition education that we know actually isn't a great way to get people to change behaviors long term. Yeah. There's a lot more that we as dietitians don't get taught. Mm-hmm. And that that was my starting point, trying to figure out what would be the best way to serve my clients. Wow.
0: Okay. So you obviously got like the peer to peer education. Did you did you do more research on your own? Like was there like a deep dive into books at this point? Like what did What did diving into this deeper look like for you?
1: So I started off with taking an intuitive eating um, course. This was Evelyn Triboli's course online because I realized, yeah, well, (laughs) the weight management approach we've always learned is not that great either. Yeah. And that got me thinking into what I wanted my approach to be. And it was basically based not only on my life philosophy, but also on what would work best for the population I was working with. And individuals in recovery, even though they like, not that they like, but their, their recovery depends on black and white thinking. And I actually really like this motto of how we do food is a reflection of how we do life. Hmm. Or how we do life can also reflect into how we do food. So a lot of that black and white thinking predominated yeah. with my my clientele. So I really wanted to learn more about how can I get them more into thinking about the gray area. And how, if applied to food and nutrition, that could release some of the stress that they might be experiencing around rigid rules. Yeah. At least when it came to food and nutrition. So I started there. And then I was also seeing a lot of clients who had histories of eating disorders, and my training in that area was not that great. I did do a couple of weeks rotation in an eating disorder clinic, but then I started digging deeper, and I also took on Marcy Evans' online course uh, for practitioners. That was great. I recommend it to anyone. And then I just kind of took it from there, trying to go to any kind of uh, conference or, or I guess back in the day there were live workshops. Yeah. It's so common <laughs> now on, you know, nutrition for substance use. I got a mentor, which really helped. Yeah. And I recommend this to anyone. Make sure that you know what the next steps would be. And the best way to find that out is to get a mentor. It might be working with a coach. It might be working with a mentor. Just having someone that can shed some light as to what would be the best way to get to where you want to be.
0: I feel like that's, I mean, I feel like coaches are pretty common, right? Like in whether it be the RD world or in the solopreneur entrepreneur space. But I think sometimes we forget that like, even someone like two to three steps ahead of us who kind of understands that world can be such a value to, I guess just giving us insights, giving us some feedback on where we're at and like the steps that we need to take to get there as well.
1: Absolutely. I cannot highlight that enough. I have had a mentor or various mentors throughout my whole, uh, I guess, academic and now professional career, and I just cannot emphasize it enough.
0: So was, if you don't mind me asking, was that mentor an RD or was it outside of our field?
1: Um, So once I became a dietitian working in the field of substance use disorder and nutrition, I actually before when I was interviewing for this job, I reached out to the behavioral health nutrition practice group from the Academy of Nutrition Dietetics. And I started to reach out to individuals and they were the ones who guided me towards um, someone who became my mentor. His name is David West and he was a dietitian. And he's a a leading researcher in the area of substance use disorder, eating disorder, and nutrition. And he he tends to look a lot into past trauma or how our backgrounds or the different aspects of the sociological model come come together to influence our potential risk of eating disorders or substance use and our behaviors around food. Wow. That's
0: that's a fantastic way to get a mentor. I feel like using those, <laughs> the Academy does one thing right, right? Like the those <laughs> groups are fantastic. And I think if you reach out and find the right person that can just give you a little bit of guidance in the way that you want to go, it's an absolute game changer. I've also met some really amazing people within the DPGs, so that's Agreed. that's like a little, <laughs> that's like a little nugget of info right there. I dig that. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, you're not in that space directly anymore, and it's kind of evolved and morphed into what you're doing now to some extent. I would love to know what that journey looked like for you.
1: Absolutely. So, I guess another part of me and my personality is that I've always wanted to um, be an educator. In that sense. I, I found what I thought was my dream job uh, in academia. Mm-hmm. And I have been doing that for the past three and a half years or so. I'm an assistant professor mm-hmm. in a state university that also provides uh, dietetics, undergraduate, and master's degrees. We also offer the practicum, so the whole CPD.
0: Yeah.
1: And it was because I had this experience that I was able to get the job that I now have, and I teach medical nutrition therapy, which is my favorite class to teach. And every dietitian knows that this is quite a, a heavy, a content-heavy class. Yeah. Many universities tend to split it up into maybe one or two semesters. Yeah. Uh, when I took it, it was a like a five credit class, and it was basically half of your course load almost for that semester. Wow. Uh, Where I'm teaching, it is a four-credit class, but it's two semesters. So it's a sequence of two semesters. Yeah. So I have the opportunity to teach dietetic students about nutrition counseling. And I'm able to bring everything that I learned throughout my journey into the classroom. And I can just see how dietetic students are yearning for more. Mm -hmm. They really want to learn more about nutrition counseling I'm not sure if it's something that they had thought about before, but once we discuss it in class and I have them practice with one another, it's like I planted that seed into thinking there's a lot, lot more than just um, knowing how to provide nutrition education. But it has a lot to do with understanding the psychology, how to communicate with someone, making sure that it is, you know, um, person centered, that you have uh, the ability to show empathy that you focus on individual strengths, you're able to empower them towards change. And all of these things are things that maybe we know to a certain extent, but we haven't been able to intentionally use them in our counseling sessions. Yeah, And we're just really scraping the top in class. It really does take a lot more training and education, and I cannot say this enough, practice to be able to feel like you can really gain the confidence to use this with your clients and be able to see your clients transform their behaviors in their lives.
0: I would have loved that class in my undergrad because you're right. They were so scripted. It's like, hi, I'm Celestina, your dietitian. I'm going to help you learn to love broccoli. Like, it's <laughs> terrible. So I I'm so happy that you're really instilling in this next generation of RDs that it can be done differently. It can be done in a way that actually can help our clients see change, which is huge.
1: Absolutely. And there's one more thing that I'm really proud of that I've been able to incorporate into my classes, and that is bringing up the topic of weight stigma and health at every size, yeah. which apparently is a conversation that Harry dietetic students should have or should learn about before they become RDS to be able to really make everyone feel welcome in that space where nutrition counseling is provided and waste stigma tends to be one of those issues that are is going to keep individuals from seeking the help that they need if they are feeling in any way threatened or discriminated against in a healthcare setting
0: a hundred percent I mean I was in school what? Eight, nine years ago, and there was still, I feel like it was still stigmatized in class, like even being taught with that, like those rosy colored glasses, if you will. So I'm happy to see, like, I've had multiple conversations with RDs at this point, and I'm happy to see that the conversation is shifting in the undergrad level because it needs to happen, right? Like, that's where the change is going to come from, and from people having just the opportunity to have that conversation um, just a little bit differently.
1: Absolutely. And the other thing I've noticed is that even a lot of the textbooks that we tend to use don't really follow the philosophy um, I go by and I'm trying to teach my dietetic students of having it be anti-weight stigma, having the language be person-centered or patient-first language. So that is actually where my my idea came for what I'm doing now, which is currently um, my side project. But the idea of creating resources for dietitians or dietetic students that would help them develop their nutrition counseling skills, potentially going into different modalities, even though my my main area is motivational interviewing. Also focusing on providing the language that should be used. So making sure it is a strength-based language, patient first, language that's going to also improve a relationship and get that rapport building from the beginning. Instead of having it be a top-down, having it be a collaboration between the dietitian and um, the clients or the patients. So during my commute, I was thinking how I wish I could just you know, write this book that I can use in my classes because I can't find anything that would cover everything that I would want it to cover. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, well, why not not only write the book, but why don't I start, uh, you know, maybe providing the service? Because every dietitian I talked to about this idea, they said, wow, if I had the chance, I would love to be able to work with someone like that. So that is where the Nutrition Counseling Academy was Mm -hmm. born. Um, I I now provide counseling one-on-one basis to dietitians and I focus on motivational interviewing, also having an inclusive approach that is going to help them increase their skills in nutrition counseling, but also help them gain that confidence that they need to be able to practice this with their clients or their patients And hopefully this will lead to improved outcomes in their clients, but also client retention. So we think about behavior change. It's not going to happen in a month or two or three. We want clients to continue seeing uh, dietitians for a while until those behaviors actually become habits. And then we can build upon those habits and add more. And it really is a journey that requires more than just a 10 or 15 minute visit. Or more than even a one or two month type of relationship. That being said, I know that many dietitians might be working in a clinical setting where they're only limited to maybe 15 minutes yeah. with their patients. And all I wanna to say to those dietitians is that you can do motivational interviewing in 15 minutes, it is doable. It'll likely be just planting a seed. Yeah, But helping the client or the patient realize that they are capable of change and it doesn't have to be changing their whole life. Obviously, that's not going to work. But just, you know, instilling that or planting that seed and getting them to think about change as something that's doable. That was beautiful.
0: I think you're right. Right. Like starting small. So when I was working with clients one on one, my thought process was always How can we take one small step of action? But I think sometimes we even have to like backtrack. How can we as RDs help our clients take that one small step of action, right? Like I know we just want to like word vomit all of the things we know (laughs) all the time because we're like, oh my gosh, I can help you. You just have to do this, 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 and this. But like, just chill. (laughs) That's what I'm hearing is like, chill, take a step back, be the confidant for them and then you can also be that collaborator with them to help get them from point A to that tiny little step point B, and then so on so
1: forth. Absolutely. So I think that's probably the biggest mistake that I see dietitians making on a regular basis. They want to provide all of the solutions. They want to fix their clients' problems. And I think it just happens naturally because we want to fix problems, right? Yeah. If we see an issue, we want to fix it. But it's really important to just take a step back and guide the conversation into a point where individuals are considering that change. And many clients, specifically in a clinical setting, they might not really want to make a behavior change. You know, they're in the hospital or in a clinic because they kind of have to. Yeah. Maybe they have to see the dietician. So they're going to likely be in this, like, pre-contemplation or contemplation stage of change, where they're not really thinking about making a change anytime soon. Yeah. But with motivational interviewing, we can provide the space to explore that ambivalence. So ambivalence is when someone is being pulled in two directions, to change or not to change. Yeah. So it's a space to explore that ambivalence and hopefully try to resolve it by guiding them and asking questions, providing reflections, they're going to help the client think a little bit deeper into why they might even want to make a change. So what would they get out of it? What would their life look in maybe a month or a year or five years if they were to make a small change now? So just to get them thinking about uh, how their whole life would be able to to change if they just start thinking about uh, making a change. They don't have to make it, just start thinking about it. Yeah. Oh,
0: small steps, man. Small steps, make victory. I love it. So if RDs want to hone in on these skills a little bit more so that they can see greater success with their clients, what is the best place for them to
1: reach you? Great. So I have an Instagram account. It is nutrition.counseling.academy. And I also have a Facebook community. And in that Facebook community, I provide free uh, mini trainings around 10 minute trainings every other Friday. So dietitians are welcome to join and I tend to provide these trainings based on what the community wants me to cover. Cool. So I, I have weekly polls and then based on what they want me to cover I just go ahead and provide these trainings and it's meant to be a space where dietitians can also come in and they can share some of their maybe tough cases without sharing any any information about their cases, just, you know, scenarios, and we can discuss through them. So you can find me on Facebook. If you search for groups, the group is called Nutrition Coaching and Counseling for Dietitians. You can go ahead and request to join, and I'd be happy to see you there. And hopefully we can interact a little bit more. And if there are any nutrition counseling struggles or topics that you would love to see me talk about, or we can have a conversation with the rest of the group, then that's something we can do as well. And last but not least, I do provide one-on-one coaching, and the application to join my coaching program is under my Instagram. So that's nutrition.counseling.academy, and you can reach me through there, and I'd be happy to set up a call so we can discuss to see if you're a good fit.
0: All right. Well, then the final question of the show. You sound pretty collaborative in the way that you work with clients, but I would love to know, how do you like to collab with fellow RDs?
1: I'll have to say that the best thing that's come out of my side project is all of the wonderful connections I made with dietitians, yeah. through social media. And I think part of it is also the fact that we're all coming out of a pandemic, and we have that desire to connect with more people after we've been you know on our own for so long. Yeah. So I would love to collaborate with other dietitians. We can talk more in social media. And we can try to figure out what might be a good type of collaboration. I'm open to anything, really. What I tend to do is that I I love to bring dietitians into my classroom, whether it's virtually um, or in person, if you're local, obviously, so that I can show students what it's like to spend a day in the shoes of a dietitian in different areas.
0: I love that.
1: Um, and obviously, I can always return the favor. So that's that's one way where I like to collaborate with dietitians. And I think students really get a lot out of seeing what a dietitian actually does, because that's the best way anyone can really choose what area they might want to go into when they're unsure. I just tell them you have to go and make connections with dietitians, and if you can, you have to shadow them. You have to see what it's like before yeah. you can make a decision into yeah. what area you're going to go into.
0: I love that you give them that opportunity. That's super cool.
1: Absolutely. And it's really important to niche down. And this is something that we hear over and over again. But the better of an idea you have as to what area you want to go into, the sooner you can start improving your knowledge, skills, and practice in that particular area. So it's never too soon to start diving into different areas to figure out what is something that you're interested in learning more about that can become your area of focus. Yeah, totally. Such great wisdom. I dig this. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Joyce,
0: as always, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much, Celestina, for having me. I loved it.
0: I love getting to talk to Joyce. She is a wealth of knowledge and Super freaking cool. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this conversation as well. Let's do a quick recap. One, be open to learning from every job you're in. Yes, you'll bring your own expertise to the position, but remember to stay open-minded to learning from those around you. Two, how we do food is a reflection of how we do life and vice versa. Three, have a coach or a mentor when you're exploring a new area for your career. Four, because I couldn't just choose three. If you're looking for a mentor, check out a DPG from the a and and you may be surprised as to the wisdom you'll gain. Five, plant the seed. You can do motivational interviewing in just 15 minutes. It's totally doable. Six, with motivational interviewing, you can provide your client the space to explore the ambivalence. Just like Joyce said, be open to learning from every job you're in. I'll add one to that and say, be open to learning from every collab you're in too. Whether you're using counseling and communication skills with your clients or to strengthen your relationships with others in the field, there's something that we can take away from this episode in working with others. So if you want to start exploring your superpowers so that you can contribute, I have a couple of options for you. First, check out the free download of my Unleash Yo Genius Masterclass. It's a 30-minute on-demand masterclass where I guide you through an exploratory meditation. To help you determine your zones of genius and then help you unlock that innate blueprint for success. The link for this free download is in the show notes. Second, I have another session of the collab Roundtable starting in October. This is a collaborative and intimate space where we hone in on your human design and how you use your innate blueprint, your beautiful differences to run your business in a way that feels truly aligned. There are more deets you can scroll through on the site, so I'll drop the link in the show notes as well. And third, I will be opening up another Voxer community chat space for four to five dietitians. This next opening will be in October, and it's a low-key space to connect, build relationships, and feel supported without the bullshit and shit talk. It's a space to connect, ask questions about your business, your human design, and for self-exploration. I am a total believer that the mind of the community is far greater than the mind of the guru. So this space is $99 for three months, and the link for that is in the show notes as well guys, I hope you enjoyed these episodes. I would love to know what you think. So I'm always open to chatting on Instagram at the dietitian collaborative, shoot me a DM. If you really dig this episode, if it really resonates and I'll see you next week when we're talking to Anne Elizabeth Cundiff. She's a registered dietitian, also fellow podcast host and has a wealth of knowledge for budding RDs and RDs who have been in the game for more than a hot minute. So until next week. Ciao.